Episode number 124 is with the Carolina Panthers Pro Bowl defensive tackle K1 Short. And he just had the franchise tag lifted off his back. And I would call him franchise, but I'm not sure whether or not he'll uh, go into Holt mode and rip my head off. So that's not something I'll do, at least on the intro. As far as the iTunes review of the week is concerned, we've got a great iTunes review from Gigglebox Books who says, plug in for power. This is such a great inspirational podcast. I love the variety of guests and I'm always able to take something away from each one. I always feel charged up after listening to Wes and his crew and I'm looking forward to many more. Thanks, Wes. Shout out to you, Gigglebox Books. Um, Really am inspired by you taking the time to throw out this incredible iTunes review. And if you'd like to get featured on the show as well for the iTunes review of the week, get over to iTunes.com, search Creating Space Podcast, and uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show and the best ones each week we will feature at the top of the interview for Thursdays on the podcast. So let's jump into episode number 124 Okay, K-Wan Short. What is happening? Welcome back to the show. It's, uh, it's an exciting episode. I'm sitting across from a guy that I've just gotten to build a rapport and a relationship with, who's just now building a rapport and a relationship on another level with the city of Charlotte. Uh, this is K1 Short franchise. What's up, man? What's up, man? Glad to have us on this podcast. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of people on here, man. I'm just, I'm just honored, man. You're big time now. Oh, relax, relax. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a step back. Um, super grateful for you coming on the show obviously you were hit with a franchise tag from the carolina panthers and i'm going to allow you a second to talk about what that means because for me in the mls we don't have franchise tags like that 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 whole language is a different language so walk me through first of all tell me what you're grateful for and then we'll talk a little bit about Ooh, what that means. i'm grateful for a lot of things but you know some of the most important things is you know my family my daughter um and you know i'm, I'm faithful for this road that i've been down i mean it wasn't an easy journey but you know, I overcame it, and that's what it's all about. You know, overcoming obstacles that has been placed in front of you. Yeah, and it's a it's a unique story, and I'm excited to kind of see where it goes. But let's start at the top, which most people know you about right now is the buzz in the media. Were you going to sign? Were you not? Was it? Were the franchise tags going to be placed on you? Explain to me, and you know, for those of you listening who know what a franchise tag means, talk to me a little bit about. Um, what that means? Uh, you know, I was placed with a franchise tag. Uh, it's obviously, it could be a good and bad thing at the same time. You know, one of the good things about it is you know where you're at for that year and you know what you're getting, you know, and you know you're being compensated for the hard work that you put in. Right. And as a pro athlete, you, I mean, having some sustainability and some security <laughs> exactly. is so important, right? Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, this, and, and one of the downfalls of it is, you know, you have to keep grinding, which, you know, which we all do, but... It has to be like another level because you don't know where you're going to be at the next year. You don't know if you're going to resign. You don't know if they're going to offer you another, you know, a deal. So, you know, and that's that's just one of the things that, you know, you can't come to agreement with the team or the organization to for something that, you you know, you've been working hard for. So, you know, it's never a disrespect in between that aspect, you know, because they honor you and they, they appreciate you. But it's just you're on two different levels as far as, you know, 
uh, money situation. Absolutely. So, business is business. Business right? is business. And it's nice that you have an agent that will buffer that process so you don't have to get inside of those conversations. Exactly. But there has to be a level of trust with the agent. And I, I went through a multitude of agents as an athlete. Have you worked with the same agent since you Since, since day you one. Since day one. Uh, yeah, my agent, me and my agent is pretty cool. Um, is he with Wasserman? Who's he with? He's uh, Lagadere Unlimited. He's okay. a, he's, a, he's the head guy for Lagadere Unlimited, based out of New York. Uh, Joe Siegel, and you know, when you get into the league, you see a lot of guys say, "Oh, I don't talk to my agent as much, or I don't, my agent doesn't contact me like that, or I barely even you know speak to him." But this guy from day one, since I signed with him, I mean, I feel like he called me too much. Like we talk too much, <laughs> man. And, you know, I know everything. You know, so uh, it's just all about you know the, the personality and and what you build with a different person. And as far as my agent, man, uh, we're more of a friends than we are, you know, uh, working partners. But, you know, at the same time, you have to keep that in the mind. I feel like that's the best relationship to have with an agent. When when you know they've gotten your, they've got your back and, and from a personal standpoint, instead of looking at you as a, as a price tag or a dollar sign, when it's like, no, this is, this is my homie and I want to yeah, look yeah. after him. I want to take exactly. care of him. I know his family. I know how, how important that security is to him and so on. But, you know, we kind of started at this situation and obviously you're in a, you're in a, even when we first met a couple of months ago, there was some stress that you were wearing and I could feel it. And I never signed a seven figure deal. So I'm not even going to act like I know what that's like. Come on. Right. I mean, listen, but the stress, no matter where you are in the levels of the game, monetarily, monetarily, personally, professionally, mm -hmm. whatever, the stresses are the same. And I'm sure there was worry that was consuming you at that time. What was it like? in that moment of uh, you were in a juxtaposition, right? I'm not sure if I'm going to be back in Carolina. I don't, I don't know what this means for me. Tell me what you were kind of going through. You know, to be honest, Wes, man, it was it was a good stress. Like, it wasn't nothing that I was, you know, more of, you know, sleepless nights or crying. It was right. more of a, you know, I'm this type of player. I put myself in this position. You know, I want to be in Carolina for, you know, for my whole career. But at the same time, I know other teams want me because of my resume that I built. Sure. Since I've been in the league since 2013. So it was just more of a, like, I need to do whatever I need to do to get to stay in Carolina. That right. was the more of a stress part than, you know, the stress like, oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to, you know, do anything. I don't want anything to do with the organization. It was more of a, what's my way to, to, to go about this, to be in Carolina forever. Yeah. That, I mean, wow, that's a powerful statement when a lot of athletes will play and, and they, delineate that relationship between where they're playing and the business side of mm -hmm. things and the comfort that they have in the cities. And I know there were a couple of cities that I lived and played in that I had no relationship with the yeah, city. And as exactly. soon as the season was over, I was out. You, I've seen you, other than vacations, pretty much remain in Carolina. So you love Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, this is this is gonna be home. Um, since I got here from day one, you know, I fell in love with the city, and it's grown, and it's gotten better, and you know, and it's keep adding. So uh, it keeps me interested in, right. in being here and, and and doing a lot for the city as well. You're from Indiana originally, East Chicago, Indiana. Now, where is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, it's uh, in between Gary and Chicago. Okay. So you know, if you want to put that mile of a range in between, but you know, uh, it's it's north of uh indianapolis which okay. is you know the capital but you know it's it's south of uh, chicago what was life like growing up for you there uh you know every every city has its ups and downs and you know it's just chicago's a uh, pretty dangerous place right correct, i mean did correct. that did that extend itself to where you grew up or uh in a part like far i think late 
because, you know, you have a lot of people might um, transitioning from Chicago trying to get a better place of living until Chicago. I mean, we're not even not even an hour away. So it's it's a quick transition. And right. you just see some of that, you know, some of the guys who come from there or some of the kids who come from there, you know, they got to keep their rep. They got to they got to maintain, a, you know, a, a sense of pride because, you know, you got this new person coming into town. Right. You know, obviously they want to make a name and a statement for themselves. And that's, you know, that's just kids being kids. But, you know, growing up, it was, it was, you know, it was violence around, but uh, <clears throat> just more, you know, I was more deviated towards, you know, becoming one of the guys that's not in that type of lifestyle. So obviously athletics was probably what protected you from that? Of course, man. I played, uh, you know, I was basketball and football throughout the whole year. You know, once I got done with football, right to AAU. Mm. Then I, you know, I was back and forth, and you know, in the summers we 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 doing everything. We traveling court to court, trying to beat everybody. You know who's who's king of the court and that. Wow. So you know, it was it was just more of that. And you know, we did we was that we was a, me and my guy, me and my friends, one of my best friends. We was like the the two that that traveled and and got along with everybody. Right. And you guys um, did pretty well in the two sports. I think in the research that I checked out, you won a state <laughs> championship. Is that true? Two thousand seven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Damn, young, young. I was out of I was out of high school two thousand four. I didn't about? realize you were <laughs> didn't realize you were that young, son. Um, uh, yeah. T- talk to me a little bit about this. When I was young, K one, there were posters. There was no white space on my walls in my room. When I woke up, when I went to sleep, it was dreaming about what I could do to take myself mm-hmm. from Easley, South Carolina, to play. At that time, it was the Premier League. It was. I wanted to to become a pro, and it was the only thing I thought about. So there was a level of manifestation and law of attraction from right. a little, from a from a very young age. Didn't even realize I was doing it. I was enthralled with movement, with sports, and with teams, so to speak. Did you have that aspect? Yeah, growing up, man, like you always wanted to. Yeah, you 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 wanted to be occupied. You wanted to have something that they take you away from everything, you know, different people have, you know, different ventures, but as uh, far as for me, um, you know, it, basketball and football was an outlet. Like it made me look at life differently, you know, and, and it took me to different cities to know that there was more than East Chicago mm. to, you know, go out and be a part of. And, you know, when I, when I say AAU basketball uh, took me to so many States and so many cities, it made me want to, just, just get out and be better, and, and do better for myself and my family. So, you know, that was one of the mentalities and and uh, motivations that I had growing up to to keep me out of the streets and knowing that, man, Georgia looks good, like Georgia's <laughs> sunshine. Like this is this is what I like. So, you know, right. and different tournaments like that. Like I'm in Virginia and Houston, and you see in all these cities, and you wonder why people really moving the way to these cities and why the population is so big. Like, sure. And once you get there, you see why. Like. This is this is home. This is this could be home. So you know that was one of the the processes that I had going. You get the opportunity to see life and opportunity, and see people flourishing and cities flourishing. Exactly. Um, and that idea of opportunity. Listen, I went through the same thing. Easily, South Carolina. There, anyone that grew up there, ninety eight percent is still there. Kibble. What's that population? About? Well, twenty thousand maybe. <laughs> if they were if they were in uh, Bank of America Stadium, you probably couldn't hear them <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Let's go a little bit deeper on that because the habits that we take on as a as a young human being they mm-hmm. mold us into the people we are now. Obviously, you've developed a mindset that allows you to push through fear, allows you to push your body to What's another fear? level. There we go. What's that? Talk to me about that. <laughs> because 
the guy that's sitting here in front of me right now, the jovial, docile guy, is the exact antithesis of the dude who walks in a Bank of America state. You know, my, my thing with fear is is uncertain. Uh, you got if you feel like you're gonna be scared, you feel like you're gonna yeah, something to determine the, anything or the outcome, then you already lost. Mm. You already lost because you know fear can take away the motivation and the mentality that you had before you even you know approach the whatever you want to approach. Right. So if you think fear is gonna win, it's won already. Yeah. Just because the mindset is that. So what do you, what is your tactic when you feel fear coming up coming up? Because we all listen, we're not we right. are not right. without fear. Right. We right. must experience fear but what is your tactic for relieving fear or using fear as a motivator that i won already mm. and i just have to you know uh put the pieces in the puzzle um because you I mean again we we all face with trials and tribulations and we all got these puzzles that we're trying to fix but if you wake up in the morning and you think that you know i, I gotta survive the day i gotta i gotta beat the day and I got to do this first. I got to do that. Then, you know, it, it's it's one step closer to becoming, you know, saying a failure. Right. Because if you don't think you can achieve what you want to achieve, or you put less effort into whatever you want to do, like it, it's it doesn't drive you as much as you would be saying like, oh, I knew I can do this. I knew I can beat this guy in front of me. So if you have that mentality that you want already, you just got to pay the price. So this is a level of mastery. For those of you guys listening, this is a level of mastery with this mindset. Now, a lot of people look at fear and they get paralyzed for it. It's called paralysis by analysis, right? A lot of people haven't had this dance with fear to where they become comfortable in the face of adversity, in the face of competition. So let's let's walk back into your life. Mm -hmm. And there's always this Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell, incredible author, talks about this in one of his books called The Tipping Point. And that's essentially what it we is. We all have it. Yeah, we, we all, all have, have it. it. Where was this moment? For me, I believe it was in Charleston, my freshman year as a as a player, that I had a fan tell me that if I keep performing like I'm going to perform, I'm going to be a pro. And that was the first time that I had heard that validation, which was the inner dialogue inside my head, mm -hmm. actually be validated by someone outside of me. That was my tipping point. That's when I knew I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. When was your tipping? Uh, I say throughout, throughout my high school, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout my high school, you have different tipping points than what I did because, you know, you, you see that once I first started playing basketball in high school, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm better than mostly all these guys. It's just been my position. And then you get to the sophomore year. Now you see you got competition because these guys grow. These guys, you know, take that year that they had before and they grow. So that's when I knew that the effort that I put in was going to determine where I go. Mm. And some of the guys that I was going against from different high schools was, you know, these guys was 6'6". Six, six, I'm six, probably in high school, it's about 6'2". 6'6". Yeah. Six, six, and, you know, these guys got, you know, the upper hand on me. Like, I'm seeing these guys do fade away, jump. Like, this is big man, that's what I'm talking about. So, right. you know, and I knew that I knew for, I was going to go against that guy next year. So, you know, the typical point for me was, you know, I'm good right now, but I'm just, I can be great. And what I need to do here is take it a whole nother level. You know, if I got to stay after, I'm going to stay after. If I got to, you know, run a couple of suicides, I'm going to do it. And every year it got better. Every year you have to find something different to, to motivate you another notch to become better. Mm. And we all need sources of inspiration. We right? are. Whether that comes intrinsically or extrinsically outside of you. Talk to me about some of the bigger inspirations in your life. Uh, 
my my friends and family, you know, I have a I I hang with probably about four guys that I I can call right now and if I need them to come on the road, they'll jump on the road for me. And my mom, my daughter, my my godmother, you know, they played a big part, you know, and it was more behind the scenes, you know, I got all the, the glitz and glory and the glam and the applause, but you know, without them, I wouldn't be right here today. So what type of support do they give you? Like what is necessary? Uh, let me get more targeted with that question, specifically to your family members. Mm -hmm. What is it that you come to them and access from them as far as connection that keeps you connected and inspired and motivated to to continue to proceed forward? The love, man, the love they give me is, you know, it's, it go far-fetched and, you know, I can sit here and, and, and calculate and, you know, just call and I mean they take it on me. So, you know, if you, you always wanna have that, that phone call where nobody calls and try to ask for anything sure. or, or, you know, try to be a peasant in your ear and, and nick that and that. I mean, they call how you how's your day and right. shoot me text messages out the day and you know, and, and and overflows with love and you know, it's it's one of the things that keep me going because, you know, they they, they have faith in me. They believe in me and whatever I'm doing today you know, it's giving them the extra boost to, you know, continue life and continue to pushing them towards the, you know, the better them that they're trying to be. And you've helped improve their lives, lives, all of their lives by <clears throat> showing them that, that it is capable. That, showing the love back. Showing the love back. Showing the love back. Uh, that connection we thrive on because as a pro athlete, I never got to the level you got, but I got to a level of, of success in my own mind. Um, you know, it is a level of isolation mm -hmm. when you get to the, to a spot like this because there becomes this filter that you have to create because there are new people that want to come into your life. Correct. There are old people that see you Correct. as a resource. Let's talk about that because I, I mutually understand that. However, I never had the resources to take the level of asks to a level that you've probably witnessed or experienced. Let's Let's walk through what that has been like for you to go from that guy uh, in, in Indiana to now a guy who's in a whole different scenario when it comes to opportunity and resources. Uh, it's tough, man. Um, so, Cause you really have to, you really have to really separate who's there for you, who's there for what you do and who's there because of who you are. Mm. And, you know, and you can't just automatically put this whole right side in the group to, they there because I do what I do. Right. Or and put the, you know what I'm saying, and, and so on. So you really have to fill people out. Uh you're gonna be wrong sometimes. You're gonna be wrong and uh, you know, a lot of true colors come out when when, when stuff hit the fan. Sure. And uh it, it's it, it's just one of those, you know, one of those situations that you have to deal with when the time comes. You cause you got a lot of people who wanna be around you, wanna be your friends and you know, and, and, and just want to be in the same facility you are because, you know, they feel like it, it can, you know, I, you know, the crazy thing is you don't never know why they're around you. Of course. You know, you don't know. And, you know, you can just have this genuine friend who's been genuine for a year and then something happens and then like, boom, you're like, what? Right. You kept that mask on for that year just to, you know, do wow. something like this. And, you know, and it happens and it happens and you just got to chalk that up as an L and keep it moving. But, you know, at the same time, you, you grow up with people that you know, had more things, more material things than you did. And and now that you got, you be able to provide for yourself and get you what you want. And now the tables has turned and you see, you know, like you're not, you're not bashful of that, but you see like, you know, I was once in that position sure. and I once had nothing 
you know, compared to what I work for now, you know, the whole thing is not to go back with nothing. Mm. And there's got to be a level of understanding that you have to have watched so many professional NFL players go from uh, <laughs> extremely wealthy to extremely broke. Yeah. Right. And so that has to fuel you to continue to put yourself in position to make good financial decisions and so on and so forth. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's probably half the battle. Sure. Is, is, is not going back. I mean, but that has to motivate you. You know, it has to motivate you because, you know, I always use, you know, my past as a motivation because you know, I, I never had, like, I, don't get me wrong. I didn't have a bad child life, but you know, it's a lot of things that I wanted that I didn't have. Right. You know, it's a lot of things that, you know, you can, again, you have the things for needs and wants, you know, I've, I wanted a new Xbox every other week. Like I want new Jordans. I want new yeah. shoes. Like and stuff like that. I mean, my mom provided for me, you know, everything she could, but she gave me the stuff that I need instead of what I wanted. Talk to me about that relationship with your mother. Amazing. Was your dad around? No, my dad passed away when I was months old. Sorry to hear that. So she's been, you know, she's been the rock. She's she's held things down, and you know, she again, she gave me everything that I needed. Right. Did you ever see your mom struggle? Did you ever see her fight and battle with raising you as a single parent? Of course, I wasn't. I wasn't the the best kid growing up. You know, I I've done a lot of things. Like I'll fight my brothers and sisters. And, right. You know, breaking stuff in the house. Like I was. I was. I was that. I was probably the hard, baddest kid in the house. Sure. But you know, not once that she never not loved me as much as she loved all the other five kids that she got. Wow. So you have four other two girls, siblings. four boys. What a community. Second or youngest. Really. Are they here around in Charlotte? No, mom. Uh, they all over. Well, all three of my brothers are back in uh, Indiana. Then my sister, my youngest sister is in uh, Dallas, Frisco area. And my oldest sister is in Pennsylvania. What, uh, what aspects of your upbringing do you still carry with you today? Like, What are some of the, the core values that your mom made sure that she instilled in you? Uh, the most important thing is respect everybody, man. Uh, you know, we was we was brought up with the you know treat others how you want to be treated, uh, and and never never change, never fold. Uh, you know, the quicker and she always had a saying that you know the quicker it's given to you, the quicker it can be taken away. So yeah. I take that and I run with it because you know at the end of the day, you know football only lasts so long. Football right. only lasts so long, and you know God willing, I'm not going wood. But if something happened to me tomorrow, you know, was I was I you know was I good to people who was good to me or did I fold on people who, you know, was there in the beginning? Cause you know, when, when things happen, man, you really, you really try to evolve back to, you know, what you was upbringing, your upbringings and, and how well that, you know, other people has treated you. So respect for you is the most important. Yeah, respect is, is, you know, is one of the things. And I think trust, trust is one of the things as well. Cause you know, I, I was brought up as well as you trust everybody until, you know, into improving otherwise. Sure. So, I mean, I wouldn't say like you owe, you, you give somebody a million dollars in the bank and trust them to give it back, but it was just more of a, you know, I'm not going to sit here and not let you talk to me or not let you, you know, tell me something. But if, right. you, if I trust you enough and I understand and then it's wrong, then I know, you know, the trust right and there is gone. you can cut the cord. You can cut it. The polarity of that, though, uh, the aspect of respect. However, when you put your hand in the dirt, whoever's lined up across you, you want to break them. Right, right, but I, res break I, I respect everybody. <laughs> I respect everybody who's in this league, though. I respect everybody. I mean, we are here for a reason. We all got here for, uh, you know, from the hard work that we put in. You know, but at the same time, 
his mentality is probably, you know, worse than mine. Amara's yeah. mentality is worse than his. Sure. You know, we 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 train to kill our opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, we train to to embarrass him. So, you know, he's gonna try to embarrass me as much as I'm trying to embarrass him. So let's this creating space podcast is a lot about mindset. It's a lot about habits, man. What makes you different from other people, right? And I wanna kind of dive deeper into this mindset of yours as we peel back the layers. And one of the questions that I was out of the outer banks, kind of getting prepped for this conversation. And I was listening to some good music. I was by the beach and I was kind of trying to put myself what back. type of music you was listening to? Listen, man, I'm all tropical house. Okay, okay. Listen, I was hip hop <laughs> growing up though. I used, I may or may not used to have freestyle, but we won't talk about that, man. That was a whole nother human being. I don't even know not on who that guy was. <laughs> nah, so I'm sitting on a, on a log and I'm going through this ideation session where I'm trying to think of, put myself back into the mindset of the athlete. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me try to generate some questions that would be specific to my experience as an athlete. So one of the questions that I was really excited to kind of dive into is this guy that I'm sitting in front of right now, docile, jovial, happy, um, relaxed. Talk to, me, but talk to me about the difference between that guy and the guy that puts that helmet over his face has the flames rushing up above him as he's entering a stadium packed with 75,000 screaming fans who most are probably wearing your jersey or know exactly Stop who you it. are. Stop <laughs> it. Stop What's that? Tell me the difference between that guy. What what zone do you have to access? Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know every every if you ask another athlete guy 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 he's going to tell you, you know, his side and we all have different sides of, you know, who we are from game day to practice day and uh, you know me. I'm pretty simple, man. I'm not. I'm not this guy that rah rah and you know throw chairs in the locker room or anything like that. You know, I'm I'm a guy who's cool, calm, and collected. Just like you see me today, uh, I'll be like this on Sundays or mm. you know whatever day it is. You know, and you know, it, it calms me down. Like I'd rather be calm playing a game than intense. Intense, you really don't know like what you expect. So right. You know, if I'm calm, I'm I'm, I'm chill. But I know back in my mind that you know I'm. I'm liable to take this guy head off whoever I'm going against. So, you know, I, we all we all have these different mentality. We all have this different dog in us. You know, I'm just a quiet dog who you know who's ready to bark. So I say like a I'm more of an elephant type of guy. Right? You know, we, we we chill, we 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 humble. But you know, once that once that 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 other animal try to come at us, man, we got to do everything to do to defend ourselves. Tell me a little bit about what it takes to get you because there's the level that you can access, right? And then there's a whole nother level when you're in flow state, when you're not thinking and you're just in your moment. How do you get from the spot where you're competing, you're obviously in the game, to the spot where you are now controlling the game and you know eyes are on you? Gosh, man. uh, Excuse me. You have that mentality just kicks in. Mm. Uh, It's no switch that you hit, Uh, it, it just automatically just just hit you like you don't never know when it's going to hit you you see you doing good you're making plays you're making sacks you you hitting balls down and you know that mentality is just like yeah i'm doing this so it's it it, it, it that adrenaline kicks up another notch man and next thing you know you're taking over game and you, you're talking to the reporters afterwards and, and you snap back into it like yeah, yeah I, I i did that like you know but you know it has to be a consistent thing sure that level of adrenaline will run into the night. I, I spent some games, <laughs> some game nights where I wouldn't get to sleep because I was nah, still running nah, on the high nah. you, off of it. That's like, we got a game at one. Uh, it's probably over about four, four or five, and I don't even take a nap, man. I'm up. Yeah, 
I go play with my daughter, man, like, and all that. Like, I'm up until probably 1 o'clock. Easily. 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 I'll be hurting the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be up. So the difference between playing at Purdue, right, and that level of college football, there's still insanity there. <clears> but, like, playing on Sundays, what's the difference? What's the main difference between a Saturday feature and a Sunday game? Uh, it's different, man. For me, of course, a whole different animal in my in my interpretation. Exactly, and and it, it has a lot of features with it, like you know, crowd wise, fan wise, and you know, like the people you playing with, the people you playing against. Like it's just like that. Like that's just like you know, Purdue. I rival with IU. Everybody on our team is going to try their best to have the best game of sure, the year, sure. and that's just like you know when we play against Atlanta. Everybody want to beat Atlanta so bad. Like, that's just, sure. that's just our rival. So, you know, I think one of the big difference for me is, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 the stage. And, like, now compared to where I was in college to where I am now, like, I, I studied the game more than I did in college. Mm-hmm. In college, you know, coach, we, we do the plays. We do the play. I know the plays, but I didn't know this offense. I didn't know that offense. I didn't know, you know, if they stack tight end back here, like what type of, you know, run game would come up out of it. And I was just playing. Compared to like now, you know, I see a, a running back shift. I know it might go the other way, so I'm gonna tighten up my stance a little bit. So you know, wow, coming from from college to actually the NFL and that whole prep in between, it taught me so much of the game, and 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 that's why I'm who do I, who I am today. It's the level of detail that you get to get into your craft when you're pursuing mastery, man. Yeah, but you but you when you when you're in college, you know, the coaches tell you the whole they tell you the game plan, they tell right. you the whole details, but you know, they don't stress how important it is before you get up to the game. Like sure. The workouts, the film session. Sure. You know, the studying of the game, the studying of your opponent. Right. You know, and stuff like that. So and you know, my 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 high school coach, I'm gonna say my high school, my college coach told me, but I wasn't I wasn't listening because I was already at a level that I thought that I was good compared to when I got to NFL. Everybody's good. Right. Everybody's everybody's on top. And it's not that you're going against, you know, a rookie. You're going against guys who've been in the league 13, 14 years right. already and right. still dominating. So it was more of that. And now I started to seek the peak where, oh, if I'm going against this guy, what's his main thing? What do he do good? What do he do best? What do he do against this type of offset or this type of, you know, get off? So it was more of an individual film session compared to a team and that's that's where I strive that I need to be coached that's how I was my entire life and so now that I've retired from professional sport and I'm into entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. I still need to find coaches and those coaches are mentors and I try to spend as much time with mentors as possible um it's so integral it's so integral to to your growth tell me about who mentors you or who took you under their wing in that locker room you know, I think Carolina is, is, you know, this is my only team I've been on in the league. So, you know, I can't really speak for all the other 31 teams, but just the way this organization around here works, like everybody's for everybody. Like everybody helps everybody out. But like the guy that, you know, that took me under the wings, I had a couple of them, Charles Johnson, Dewan mm-hmm. Edwards, Colin Cole, you know, and, and still under people's wings now, and, you know, Julius Peppers, who's back, Mario Addison. And, you know, this is a crazy thing. Like, we all took each other in and we, you know, we had this bond as brothers of, you know, we can't be against each other because we got to work with each other. Sure. And, you know, you see that on the field. And that's why, 
you know, we these last couple of years we've been top five and you know in in sacks. So it's like you know like we can't have this this broken bond in between us if we're trying to get to where we want to get. Right. Speaking of where you want to get, the Super Bowl is. Uh, what type of experience? Give me one word. The Super Bowl is a blank type of experience. Amazing, man. Uh, I gotta, I gotta elaborate. I can't give you one word. <laughs> let's go. Tell me, just explain that, to me what just, that's like. You know, just probably from that last game where we lost uh, the regular season compared to where we, you know, went to you know the playoffs and 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 won until we got to the championship. You know, the the bond that we had as a team was something that I never felt like. It was more like, you know, these are my mama kids in here. Like, this how this how tight we was. Right. You know, joking around and nobody's getting mad. Nobody's getting pissed off about anything. But, you know, at the end of the day, we knew what we was in this locker room for to do. And, you know, and, you know, leading up to that week, we, I mean, it, it was it was exhausting, but it was it was a, a great feeling of exhaustion. Sure. Companies. Uh, in business, thrive off good culture, and obviously, it's so important to the the professional realm as well in athletics. Mm-hmm. What do you think it was that was catalyzing that connection, and who was the glue to that? A lot of <laughs> locker rooms have one or two guys. They does. They that does. Are really, that um, glue to keep everyone together. Who who were those guys? I'd say as a defense, uh, who made stuff happen was Thomas Davis. Okay. Thomas Davis is, you know, he's like the president of the locker room. So, you know, <laughs> anything he pretty much says, we got the, you know, uh, you know, respect. But sure. you know, I think, I think we come with a lot of vets, man, who's been in that locker room for you know ten plus years. Like you got Charles Johnson, Ryan Khalil, and you know people like Greg Olson, like that. And you know, once those guys talk, you you stop what you're doing and you listen. Right. So you know, and and that's the mentality that we had was. You know, we know these guys as a, you know, the the pilots, and we just gotta, you know, ride along and, and do what we need to do. In the off season now, trying to recover back from probably a di- more disappointing season last year mm-hmm. than you were looking forward to off a Super Bowl appearance. What is the focus right now in your mindset where you're a week away from training camp? We got to buy in. We got to buy in the process, and and we got to stay focused and 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 patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't jump to. Back to the Super Bowl, we got to be patient and ride this train. And if it stopped the first game, that's we got to get off, we got to play, then get back on. So, um, I think the, the biggest thing for us is you know, it, um, it's taking it one game at a time. Are you managing your focus with when it comes to your off season routine right now? Is that one day at a time with your workouts, with your exercises, or are you managing that? Or are you getting around the team and are they putting together structuring your workouts? No, How's no. So, right so you know, guys who stay in town usually just go up to the to the weight room, the facility, and work out. And you know, you have them other guys who's around that works out with you. So, excuse me. And we all we all have a set you know thing that we do. You know, some people might bench, some people don't bench, some people do you know one arms and whatever. Um, I saw you had an altitude mask on today. <laughs> what for those of, for those exercise kind of sewers who listen to the show? What was K1 Short doing uh, inside the gym today? What did your workout look like? Uh, you know, today was more of a, you know, trying to get that that deep breath and 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 actually control the breath. Uh, you know, with that altitude mask on, it's like if you was in Denver or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, having that, gotta have that wide open lungs, and and that's what it was. So you know, did a couple of sprints on the on the treadmill, and just to get the heavy breathing going, and you know, a little cool. Right. So you let <laughs> you said yesterday was was a tougher day, right? Yeah, yeah. So yesterday, uh, 
I actually had a two-day workout yesterday. Um, I went in, did a bench. I mean, no, I did squats and stuff like that. Lower body workout. And then went and boxed uh, at a gym, fit for fight, out there in uh, Matthews. I saw I saw that on your Instagram. I saw a couple of those. What in the world do you call those where you're ripping across and hitting the bags like that? What is what is that technical name for that? <laughs> that is fierce, man. That's, that's called, ferocious. That's, that's a slap and rip, man. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a vicious move, and wow, you gotta you gotta have good technique to. to How get do you that not break elbow. your hand with that? You don't because you're just an animal. It's just a beast. <laughs> a beast. Let's. Um, Obviously, we've gone in a lot of different directions, man, but I want to expand out as we round this thing out. I want to talk to you about what you want the rest of your life. If you could frame it up and where you're headed and what you want to do uh, moving forward. When it's all said and done, when we talk about legacy, mm -hmm. what do you want people to say about K1 Short? Uh, legacy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a real big advocate of kids. I'm real big. Real big on, on giving back to to the youth, and you know even if it's not about football, the legacy that I leave. But I just want these kids or you know the future that's growing up to understand the importance of you know what it takes to get to where you want to go. And what I mean by that is you know education is not you know something that you can just stumble upon and and roll over it to get to you know the success that you want. So. You know, I think one of my legacies that I, I would like to leave is that, you know, education played a big part. And, you know, without, without football, I think uh, it wouldn't have been important to me because, mm. you know, I had to get done with education before I moved on to football. So right. football was that, you know, that long-term goal that you wanted. But, you know, in in between, you got these obstacles again that, that stops you from getting to your goal, which was, you know, education was one of them. You know, I wasn't a big education fan growing up but you know in in high school i wasn't i wasn't the best student i wasn't the best that you know i wasn't getting all these good grades but you know once i got my my full ride scholarship to purdue boom it hit me education like i need to get the core 40 so i needed this class this class this class sure and if i'd have kept going the route that i was i wouldn't i wouldn't have been in purdue right so you know i had to flip a lot of classes, I had to drop a lot of classes. You senior year, so you're thinking like, all right, I got all these electives. I'll, yeah. I'll be a cadet teacher. I'll get a quick <laughs> class. I'll be a gym instructor. Like, no, I was in algebra and all. You know, I was taking all these basic classes because I didn't take them in, in high right. school. So that's why I'm here now to be, you know, I think God put me on this this earth to to tell them. You know, he put me down this road because I need to educate other kids that, not it's never too late but at the same time you need to get a jump on it mm. as far as education goes that's a, a great shout i was the same kind of guy i flew through education just to get a, to soccer practice yeah. just to get the yeah. track practice exactly. you know I, I didn't take enough time to invest in that aspect however the school system fails when it comes to people like you and i Correct. who learn through movement who who need to be creative by doing other things other than sitting in a chair and having to mm -hmm. focus for 90 minutes. That's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. That's a whole so, I mean, you got to invite me on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need a second episode. We, <laughs> you got the hat now looking, looking like a boss. All um, time. It took you about what? Four months. Way too long. Way too long. Um, you know what? We've, we've really been excited with watching you just your growth, man. Um, myself particularly just kind of seeing, 
your comfort level within the city since I've known you in the last four four months or so. And then watching now you have that weight off your shoulders and now you can just play. But there's a whole new added level of pressure on you, right? It's a whole new target, man. So what do you what is your plan right now to keep that pressure off and to perform? Just be me. Just be me. Uh I, yeah. In college, man, I I did the uh impossible because I'm thinking it was a bowl game. You know, I'm a def I'm a star defense tackle on this team. I got to go out here and, and wreck havoc. I got to do, you know, the impossible. I got to get five, six sacks this game. And I was so worried about that that I didn't have a good game. Mm. So, you know, the following year, I was like, just be myself, man. Just be myself and you know, everything will come and everything that I've worked for will happen tonight. And, you know, I and I had that mentality and it worked. So that was just like one of the, you know, super I don't know if it's superstitious or what, but you know, you, you just can't approach it at a whole different level than what you normally approach from yesterday to today. The things that got you there, the habits that you should carry on moving forward. Love that. Yeah. Um last couple of questions. You you had yourself, the eighteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kid who still wants to 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 become a pro, but has a couple of you're a three star athlete, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, probably undersold you. Probably highly, highly undersold. Obviously, and it worked out for the better. right? Yeah. What would you t if you could walk up in front of that guy and he was standing in front of you and you you had a a quick conversation? What would you say to that guy? I'll just tell him my story. You know, uh, I, I really don't think the stars matter. You know, because uh, we all gonna get it. We all gonna get a chance. We all gonna get an opportunity. You know, and you're just one of those guys who, you know, was better than a two-star. And, you know, they're going to look at you first and, and they're going to give him a chance. And then that two-star, they're going to get a chance too. So, you know, and that was, you know, that was one of the things. And and in college, you know, I I got I got this opportunity. Um, I was a, a, a redshirt in my freshman year uh, because I was, you know, I was one of those guys that, that couldn't keep control of the weight, you know, conditioning-wise, and you know, and, and that made me learn from year one to year two. And I come in the spring and I got two guys in front of me. Two guys. One that's finna go to the league, you know, and another guy who's who's playing well. And I'm I'm second on the depth chart. He goes off to spring break. This guy in front of me goes off to spring break. Get into a big fight. Boom, hit his eye socket, nose. You know, he's got the reconstruction, all that. Really? You know, and it put me on the depth chart. Like, it put me number one. Not saying that I was happy that happened, but, you know, at the same time, that that's, that's still my brother to this day. Like, I pray for him and everything. It was just an opportunity that I was given. It and dropped in your hand. It dropped in my hand didn't expect and, that. And, and took it and ran with it. Took it and ran with it. Became freshman All-American. You know, I've, I've done everything that I needed to do. And when my, my number was called, boom, I, I responded. And, you know, all these guys who's one star, two star, three stars, you know, it's it's going to be opportunities where you have and there's going to be a chance where you get to you, know, you get to showcase what you do or what you're capable of. You just got to be ready to perform when your number's called. Mm. Performance, accountability. Accountability. And, and opportunity. Uh, tell me this. When it comes to when it comes to the values that you um, that you embody for success, imagine you're riding in a car okay and you're driving down the road okay and that car's got bumper stickers those bumper stickers you got you got three of them 
And those bumper stickers, you're laughing because I feel like you saw this post. <laughs> I didn't, but, but, but I, I just closed my eyes and trying to picture me uh, yeah, going yeah. Up. All right, so you're probably in a in a range. No, I'm going down trying. Okay, you're going down trying. You're in a, you're in a lifted black truck. <laughs> so on the back of this truck mm-hmm. uh, are the bumper stickers to be the three um, th- things that you embody that lead to your success. What word, what three words would be the, on the bumper sticker of your car? Faith, trust, and believe. It's powerful stuff, K1. I appreciate you coming on to the <laughs> space, my man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Wow, that's a powerful episode. And the mindset that K1 has is unique because he's got a level of mastery with fear. And he approaches fear and the idea of fear in such a unique way, right? He doesn't let fear in. And if he does, Immediately, he reframes about how to become the aggressor, and he lives his life, and he makes his money upon being a predator, and he preys on fear, and he looks across the line every single play with the idea of, I have to do what it takes to win, and so if we filter out what that means to us in society who don't necessarily have to compete against 350-pound offensive linemen play after play, we can look at it like this. We are the protagonists of our lives and the antagonist invariably in every situation of our life is doubt and fear. All right. There's two sides of the coin. There's love, positivity and light. And on the other side, there's doubt, there's fear and anxiety. So the question is, how long are you going to suffer if you do choose doubt, if you do choose fear? Because it's a choice. And I think the best thing that you can take away from this K1 short episode is the quicker you can switch from prey to predator mode, where you can disallow fear to prey upon you and you can become the predator upon fear, then you can access that level of energy and you can use it to propel you. And I think the life hack to take from K1 short today is you've just got to simplify the moment. And you do that by becoming a predator of each moment and the process within each moment. If you can focus on winning on a moment-to-moment basis, you can create a macro vision of success simply by focusing on the process. One moment after the next moment, you're becoming a predator on fear and you're taking action which moves you into love, light, and progress it moves you into success. Guys, have a great rest of your week. Continue to pass this episode on. You guys are being champions of this show and it is absolutely growing. I would be so honored if you would continue to pass this message on organically and we help people create space for the life that they really want to lead. We really want to unlock people to moving towards the life that they know in their souls they can live. And as we continue to build out this podcast with more episodes, with more peak performers, I would be so honored if you would continue to pass this message along and grow the Creating Space Tribe. Namaste, my friends. Have a great rest of your week.